This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hello, friends of the Scarif Podcast. This week's episode drop is being pulled from a fun show we did way back in July of 2020. Since this week is the anniversary of the release of the Return of the Jedi Special Edition way back in 1997, we thought it would be fun to drop this Scarif live show when Brad and I battled on camera for sequel supremacy with the help of some friends. This was a pretty fun show, and we had great company discussing why we thought these two follow-ups to the original Star Wars were the greatest of all time. Check it out, and we hope you enjoy it. So next week, we'll be back with brand new content, and we're working on some new shows. We're going to be doing a special show on UFOs, and we'll be talking to some folks who say they saw some lights in the sky. And we've got a few more special team-ups coming up. One topic in particular that I'm really excited about is the savior complex in movies. Luke Skywalker, Superman, the Chosen One theme, and many of our favorite movies will go down that rabbit hole and discuss. The rest of the team and I are prepping a great new show idea called Friday Night Flicks, which we'll explain a little later, but that should be a very unique concept, and it's something you can all participate in. So much fun here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast on the audio portion, and don't forget to tune in Saturdays on our YouTube channel, Scare if Live, where we will most definitely be breaking down the latest Kenobi episodes on Disney+. Check it out. So much scuttle, not enough butt. That's your department, friends. Thanks for lending us your ear and downloading this episode today. If you're enjoying our content, please tell a friend. Don't forget to explore the other wonderful content creators that are part of the Red 5 Network, like Andrew and Marisha and the rest of the team over at Coruscant Radio Underground and thesciencefictionary.com. Nicole, Charlie, and Steve at Rogue One Radio, 97 Bravo at the Convergence Podcast, Scott and Kim at the Use and Abuse Podcast, Pizza and Parsecs, our new friends at the Black Spire Broadcast. There are just so many, just to name a few here. We are over 30 pods strong, so please check us all out. And that's the Scuttlebutt. sounded great that's fantastic hey everybody we are live here thank you guys for joining us on tonight's scare of scuttlebutt podcast uh this is going to be a good one um hold on a second welcome everybody in the chat and i just want to say um charles you beat uh cam in the chat here congratulations i i think he deserves a uh, prize of some sort yeah that's that a fit that's, that's a scuttle, scuttle buddy uh, award there. You level up when you do that. Yeah, there you go. So who do we have in the chat? We've got Cam, we got Charles, we got Charlie Skywalker, and uh, he's also going to be with us on camera. Uh, but uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight. What is today? I am, like, lost. It's been, like, Monday for the last, like, two months. It's, it's still March 2nd, I think. <laughs> oh, man. It is the when end of the world July. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's still March. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeez. So, uh, Brad, we've been, uh, we've been kind of talking about this, uh, discussion for a while. Let me pop up that graphic so people know what we are going to be yeah, doing buddy. tonight. 
That is right. So, um, uh, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We had to postpone it time and time again, but uh, we got to do this, man, because this is going to be a really fun discussion. All in good fun, uh, talking about the original trilogy, the uh, sequels, uh, the sequels to the Star Wars movie that came out back in 1977, uh, the one, the only Empire Strikes Back, and its predecessor, The Return of the Jedi, um, which is uh, an equally fantastic film, follow-ups to that wonderful space opera that we all know and love, all these movies that we've been talking about for the last couple of decades. Um, how you feeling about this little discussion there, Brad? Uh, well, I think uh, uh, Empire's going to get dethroned tonight. Uh, all right. And uh, I think one of us may be off the show by the end of the night. You know, we're going to get canceled <laughs> or triggered or whatever the, the words are. Uh, all right. Let's do our best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, just a fun discussion. Uh, you know, for a while, you guys have uh, listened to the show. We've always talked about how we love uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, and Return of the Jedi and uh, the original Star Wars uh, back when it was called Star Wars. But uh, just a fun discussion about the merits of Empire and the merits of Return of the Jedi. Um, Brad, give me a little uh, history of why you wanted to do this. And I know we talked about it in the past. We talked a little bit about what the best Star Wars movie out there is and for the longest time, obviously, you know, people hands down are saying Empire Strikes Back, Empire Strikes Back. But I, I just went shopping with the wife and I had a, a Star Wars t-shirt on and this kid said Return of the Jedi. He's a Return of the Jedi guy. And uh, I was very surprised. I was taken aback. Um, I, I wanted him fired from the store that I was at. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about uh, why you feel Return of the Jedi is uh, the film for you. Well, you know, the, the word best is, uh, I think it's a very subjective word, but, uh, you know, I think most enjoyable, uh, probably the best way to, to describe it. But, you know, for the longest kind of time, Empire, it seemed like was untouchable as far as it's always been put on this pedestal as you, you just can't touch it as far as, uh, you know, Star Wars quality goes. But it was never it was never the movie for me. I, I judge a movie by how often can I pop it in or watch it on TV or where, however it comes on um, and just sit there and enjoy it. And I, I tell you, I was always able to do that with Return of the Jedi. I was never able to do that with Empire. For me, uh, I'll be honest with you, sometimes Empire seemed like it was a it's a chore. To watch now, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's not a, it's not like a couple of the other movies, uh, you know, not to that level. Um, but uh, I, I can't just pop in Empire and, and enjoy it. Whereas, you know, we of course we talk about Rogue One all the time. So Rogue One and Return of the Jedi, you know, no matter what mood I'm in, good, bad, whatever, I can always do that. It always makes me feel better. Uh, and I think a part of it, you know, you got uh, just a couple years on me, um, you know, but Return of the Jedi was the first one that I ever saw. Um, so I think that's just why it just got ingrained into my subconscious and, you know, it just takes me back, you know, to, sure. to when I was that age. So, you know, and we, we, we um, you know, kind of tease this on Twitter and 
we got more and more excited for this topic because, um, you know, I thought I was going to be on Island, all, you know, Scarefall by myself as far as liking Return of the Jedi more than Empire. And it turns out that uh, I was uh, unknowingly speaking for a whole bunch of people who thought the same way. So, uh, you know, that's why we thought this conversation was going to be a, a fun one and maybe a, a necessary one. You know, it, it is funny. We started asking our uh, Red 5 members uh, what their thoughts are. And uh, little by little, you start seeing, you know, in our uh, direct message in our chat uh, group, how, you know, it's like Return of the Jedi, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, and like you said, I thought I thought it was all going to be pretty much Empire Strikes Back. But then you had a couple of Return of the Jedis. And like I said, just random people that, I, that I'm uh, talking to because I kind of teased uh, the fact that we were doing this tonight. And um, there is a lot of love there for Return of the Jedi. And uh, f- a lot of reasons that you mentioned um, regarding the repeatability of play. Um, I do the same thing, but for The Empire Strikes Back. Right. It's, one of those, it's one of those movies that I can pop in. And um, to me, it's, it's such a near-perfect film that um, I enjoy it. Uh, in a different way every time I, you know, sometimes I concentrate on the performance of the actors. Sometimes I concentrate on the story, the, the ships, the special effects, the music, you know, the star Wars uh, as a whole, I think works on you in so many levels that you're able to kind of do that. And that's a wonderful thing. It, it, it gives additional life to the franchise um even with movies as old as as empire and jedi uh especially with guys as old as us as well so i think it's i think it's a wonderful thing i think um we're gonna have a a a lot of fun discussing this film we got uh, a couple of friends of ours family members of the red five network and uh who are going to join us too and there's some folks in the chat um, but uh, guys in the chat, if uh, if you guys want to join us um, on cam, I can get, send you guys the link as well. But uh, let's bring in uh, some other folks. Let me pop this out so we have some uh, room here. We've got uh, Charlie from uh, our Red 5 family, Star Wars Through the Ages. Charlie, how's it going? It's going absolutely fantastic. That is great. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us, Charlie. Oh, I couldn't miss this one. This is going to be amazing. State your allegiance. State your allegiance. Yes. <laughs> well, if you want, if you want my pick right off, since uh, there's been no bank transfers or anything, uh, no, no republics uh, or uh, republic credits have changed hands. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to go with Return of the Jedi. That's Excellent. That's the. That's awesome. And uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what makes Return of the Jedi so special for you. It's, it's the first one that I remember seeing fully in the theater. Okay. Uh, there are, uh, my mom took me to see it as she did the previous two. Uh, I remember seeing a little bits and pieces of Empire, uh, but uh, when I really fell in love was with Return of the Jedi. Uh, not only I, I liked the pace of it better. I liked, uh, the variety of characters that they had in there. Uh, it wasn't just century located to, you know, just a handful of, uh, many characters, it, you know, they had 
so many ones from Jabba's Palace to the Ewoks to, you know, just everywhere. Every time you saw a new scene, there was almost a different character. Uh, and to me, the story just flowed a little bit better in Return of the Jedi than it did uh, in Empire. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, Brad, you got anything to add to that? Uh, Charlie uh, gave some good discussion points there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, an all-you-can-eat buffet, but everything on the buffet is good. Um, you know, Empire, you know, confession time. I, I like to watch the beginning of it. You know, I love to watch the Hoth scenes, obviously. Uh, you know, the AT-AT scenes. Um, and then generally what I'll do is uh, I'll cut to uh, Cloud City. Uh <laughs> That's, you know, that's just me. You know, I think those are the two most important parts or the, the key parts to Empire is the beginning of it and the end of it. Uh, you know, and I, and I remember, and I don't think I'm dreaming this. I remember hearing an interview with, I don't know if it was George Lucas or um, one of the writers for, for Empire. You know, when they, what they were working with originally was just the Yoda and Luke scenes. But when they originally wrote it, they didn't have the, it didn't take take up that much time, so they had to figure out how can we make this movie last a couple hours, and that's how you got the other scenes with the asteroid field and all that with uh, Han and and Leia, um, and I'm pretty sure I'm not dreaming that. I don't remember who it was that was in that interview, but I think that kind of comes off in the movie where it really does feel like a lot of those scenes in the asteroid. I mean, yeah. Everybody loves a Minoc, but uh, you can, to me, it really seemed like those were filler scenes. Not I remember me. that as well. <laughs> so, uh, Cybersonic8472 had a comment regarding the, uh, I, I guess he's talking about the special editions. And um, I do think they did a really fantastic job with Empire Strikes Back, the special edition. I love the, uh, the added. Uh, material that they they put in there uh especially in cloud city um a lot of people have problems brad and charlie with uh the job of the hut music scene that they added in uh well, are, we talking, are we talking about original or are we talking about hold on now no no no. Well, we're I, talking I, about we talking about special editions here and everything uh, at, you know. at, at this moment yeah i mean it's 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 all on the <laughs> table brother it's all on the table Oh, I have a rebuttal for that. So, I mean, I'm glad uh, you do. I don't, I don't. <laughs> yes, yes, there was some uh, some extra stuff added to uh, Return of the Jedi, such as uh, the what they call the Jedi Rock song. Uh, it, but just it, as a cohesive unit, there's a lot of things that you just don't understand or don't come. You, you don't get those pieces in Empire. Like you start off at the end of a new hope the death star explodes and then you automatically cut to empire and vader already knows that it's the skywalker well how does he know that you know it just it's just a given well you know there's no explanation so there's a lot of things like that within the story of empire that just kind of make it clunky it doesn't flow uh, yeah, is it a good movie? Absolutely, it's a good movie. But is it better than Return of the Jedi? I, I think it's a little lacking. Uh, as far awesome. as the, the the changes of the scenes, uh, I prefer 
the original in all cases. I prefer the original in Jabba's Palace. I mean, just because, you know, George was just chomping at the bit to use his new CGI technology on that. Sure. And it just comes off like a like a bad cartoon. And uh, apparently I'm in the minority as far as the end of Return of the Jedi goes. I think most people um, prefer the the new music and then the scenes across the galaxy. Sure. Um, I, I will still take Yub Nub, you know, 10 times out of 10 at the end of that. I think, you know, a, these little murder bears just took out the Empire. Let them have their moment and celebrate with the with the rebels um except uh i also do like hayden's face being there uh i never knew who you know as a kid i never knew who sebastian shaw was when his head popped up uh or when he popped up next to yoda and obi-wan i had no idea who that guy was so i you know i do like the addition of hayden at the end of return of the jedi that's a fair point. Yeah, um, I, I, I like them both. Um, but uh, let's get some more comments here from the rest of our team. We've got uh, people waiting in the green room here. Let's bring in Kev. We got Brad and up, Justice. Guys? How's it going, everybody? It's a party now, man. Oh, full house. Excellent. Full house, full house. But uh, we got room for more. So, uh, guys, uh, Kev, let's talk a little uh, Empire versus Jedi. What uh, What do you remember about those films and uh, what camp are you in? Let's okay. start it up. So, this, this um, my first time seeing the original trilogy was in 1995, and it was the uh, original trilogy VHS box set before it was ever, uh, before the special editions. And um, as far as my opinions go with it, I'm kind of split on it because I, I, I recognize that for me, I think Empire has some of the more um, juicy material there. And I think that Irvin Kirshner as a director was maybe a little more adept at pulling, pulling the right dialogue getting the actors to do the dialogue in the right way that had the right dramatic heft having said that um i am a sucker for conclusions um no matter what the franchise if it's a trilogy or a series of movies i am all about the conclusions i like the payoff um so in in that sense i'm gonna have to land in the return of the jedi camp because my first viewing of the original trilogy was all in one night with my father and you know, a new hope grabbed my attention. Empire gave me that that sense of tension that like, OK, now I need to see how this ends. And Return of the Jedi was a incredibly gratifying payoff. Right. I mean, everything from the moment that Luke catches his saber for the first time on Jabba's barge to uh, the Battle of Endor, the dog fighting to the final confrontation with Vader and. And even with the special editions, I actually tend to really like that no moment. Um, for me, it just adds a little more heft to that scene. So, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the Return of the Jedi camp. That's interesting, Brad. What do you think of that? Oh yeah, we. we, 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 we I was going to say which one. <laughs> which one? Yeah, we have to be more specific. Uh, Brad, me, well, yeah. Um. I mean, I feel like I've never once in my life watched just one of the movies. I've always 
it's always start with uh, New Hope and then work your way across. I've never, ever just watched one over and over again. Um, honestly, I do. I, I'm a sucker like Kevin for conclusions and everything, but I do find myself drawn more towards Empire. Um, mostly just because I think I feel like I have a better understanding of it because, yes, uh, the story does kind of start off clunky and it does continue. But, I mean, if you think about it, so do all of them. Um, but with empire i felt like even with the filler it was a it was a straight story it was concise i mean it was just point a to point b essentially so you admit that there's filler there that's what oh, i heard yeah. all there's that. filler in everything yeah and i guess that term is very subjective i think uh for me the empire strikes back from beginning to end um, like I was saying earlier, I can pop that film in and then just, just watch it in, in so many different ways. Um, and honestly, you know, if Brad, if you're into confession time here, then, um, you know, it, it's the, the original trilogy for me, I can do that. So it's, uh, you know, I'll pop in return of the Jedi. I'll pop in the empire strikes back. But for me, the empire strikes back is like top notch. It's uh, like I said earlier, it's 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 almost a, a very flawless film for me. Um, everything came together just perfectly. It was a perfect storm for for this part of the trilogy. And, and I love it. Justice, what about you? What uh, what th- <clears throat> what thoughts do you have? Oh, I have a lot. And listening to you guys, I can uh, um, more and more come into my head. Um, I would definitely say that I lean on the Empire side. Um, I'm definitely the youngest in this group, but um, I remember watching the movie in my parents' room on the VHS. That's the only room that the VHS was in. And uh, them just, like, walking in and out of the room and, like, quoting these scenes as, like, they, like, go on to do their, whatever they were doing. Um, the reason I like Empire so much is because I love villains. And in that movie and that time, like, this is probably one of the, like, villains win. And, you know, it ends on this note where, like, you don't know, like, what's going to happen. Um, and, like, what Kev was talking about, how, like, Irving Kushner did a really good job of getting people to read lines. He also did a really good job of getting emotion out of the actors, um, which I don't know if George necessarily did in A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Um, but then the last thing I, that I really like about Empire is that you get, like, more, um, what is it called? You get more, like, nuggets on this the force and like what it is and it's building that mythos and that's why i really like empire like especially in that yoda like scene yeah definitely so it yeah great point um uh, another great point you you brought up is uh villains um you know the 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 title says it all the empire strikes back and for me darth vader is my favorite star wars character of, of of all the movies uh, and to be able to see Darth Vader, you know, do what he does in, in The Empire Strikes Back and, and really take control, I think for me, that is a wonderful treat. Um, obviously, loving the fact that Darth Vader is in it and um, kicking butt. Um, I wish we had more of that. And obviously, you know, that continues in Return of the Jedi, but uh, it's just something about Empire where, you know, it seems like the Empire and Vader were, you know, a couple of steps ahead of uh of the rebels, uh, you know, chasing them off of Hoth, um, you know, being a kind of a behind the scenes guy, uh, also gives me so much joy watching that film, everything from, you know, the battle of Hoth and, uh, the asteroid and, and just, uh, again, a, a perfect storm, a perfect storm between that. 
What else, Brad? My I Brad. Think Charlie had some. Char- Charlie, Charlie, you, had, you had something. Well, I mean, to me, what what better villain is there than Vader's boss? I mean, Palpatine is the central figure. You even see him a little bit in Empire, just to give you that little tease. And you're like, man, who's this guy? And then you get that fulfillment when you finally see the Emperor in in his full glory and just his his cockiness, his self-assuredness that everything is going as he's foreseen it. It's just, uh, I mean, well, I mean, as Vader is for you a, a favorite character, Palpatine for me is uh, is my favorite. It's uh, I've always been intrigued by that character and what drives him, and you really get that payoff in Return of the Jedi. That's interesting. Um, how many here love the villains more than than uh, the people represented by my my Brad's hat? I mean, villains is subjective, you know. So. <laughs> That's right. I mean, okay. <laughs> I find I find myself drawn consistently to the complexity of Vader, right? Like in in Return of the Jedi, we get that payoff with Vader in his redemption, and you see you see the struggle, right? But you don't get that struggle, and I'm I'm going to give it to Empire for this. You don't get that struggle without Vader in Empire, because when you you know, when you get the reveal that Vader is, in fact, Luke's father, you start to see that his obsession with him is love. It's a twisted version of love, but it is love. It's, it's you know, Vader wants Luke by his side to rule the galaxy. Yes, he's he's opportunistic. He sees Luke as a, as a pathway to killing the Emperor, doing what Sith do, killing their masters. But he is, it's still rooted in the fact that, like, this is my child who I thought died with Padme. Here he is. I want my family. I want it's, it's the same possessiveness that Anakin possesses. And without that setup in Empire, you don't get that payoff in Jedi when he ultimately makes the decision to chuck Palpatine down that path. That, uh, that's true. You know, we we mentioned uh, that uh, Empire gives you a little more uh, in depth look at the Force, but what would you guys think? And this is completely subjective. Which one feels more "quote unquote" Star Wars to you? Like, if you were to say this one feels like a Star Wars movie, which one would you say feels more Star Wars? Jedi. Jedi. I'd say Empire. <laughs> I, I genuinely would. Um, Why, Doppelganger? Why? <laughs> well, because you get more of the Star Wars universe in Empire. Uh, with Jedi, like we've said, it's it's a movie of conclusions. Yes, you do get some of the... You get like what you want out of it. But with Empire, it's a matter of, you know, uh, you see your first... Uh, bit of the force more than just an old man waving his hand and mind tricking people. Um, you get more, you, you just get a lot of your first into the universe in empire. Um, that, and I would say you, you see more of the struggle with the rebellion versus the empire. Cause it is the empire strikes back. So you, you see the rebellion on more of a back foot than you do. in, in most other films, 
justice. Right. Well, that's that's that, that's the whole act two part of it, though, right? You always act two. You always the the protagonists are always, you know, up against the wall. You know, getting their butts handed to them. I, I think that's the way any middle middle part of a trilogy should be, right? I don't know. Justice, what do you think? I'm going to give a cop-out answer, and I think they both feel like Star Wars. I can't really tell which one is more. No, we don't do cop-out here, brother. Ain't, ain't no cop-out here. Either. But you know what, though? He's, he's, he's got a point, though, because somebody somebody in the chat just said that uh, watching Empire and Jedi back-to-back, they feel like, obviously, an ensemble piece. It's one film, one story, and it does. And it's just a continuation of, of the same story, obviously. But... Um, I would have to agree with Justice. I mean, for me, they both feel like Star Wars. Um, I'm obviously a big uh, original trilogy um, lover, uh, but uh, Empire and Jedi. I mean, you can, again, you can watch them back to back. They they've got different directors, but they still feel kind of like a continuation of of the story. Um, which to me, I think I, I find that refreshing, and I find it um, a lot of fun, especially because you know when I do pop in Empire. What do you want to do? I want to see what happens next, so I'll pop in uh, Return of the Jedi. So, it's I I think I think that's really cool. So let me ask you this: um, we can discuss this next topic here. When uh, obviously when we all saw Empire and Return of the Jedi and Star Wars, of course, for the first time, we didn't know any of the backstory. We didn't know who was who. We didn't know you know Vader and Anakin's um, ordeal internally. When you guys see these films now, does that play a part in the enjoyment of one film versus the other? Do you guys take that new information that you didn't know initially into, you know, into the the viewing experience now? Charlie, what what do you think about that? Definitely at first, but I've seen them so many times now that uh, I you know, I, I really see the whole big picture anytime that I watch it. I already know uh, what's going on. It, there's there's nothing that's really hidden there anymore. Um, uh, it, it was a bit overwhelming, and uh, I did the same thing in the sequel trilogy as well, where uh, the first time I see it, my mind is working. All right, well, how does this fit? How does this fit? Where, where is it going to go from here? And it, it, the first few times where I watched watched it especially after the prequel trilogy and you get the whole story of what led up to the original trilogy uh you know i was like oh wow well what about this but what about that but i i I could never quite really enjoy the films separately until much later and now i can just i can pop any of them in i already know all the backstory i know what's coming uh you know what's coming later as well uh, so, uh, and, and I can enjoy it just as Star Wars. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, the rest of you guys, Kev, what do you think? Um, I would say that, you know, I don't, um, I, I tend not to watch individual Star Wars movies at a time. Um, I tend to want to dive in and, and get the whole saga done and really immerse myself in it. And I find that every time I do that, every time I make the decision, like we're starting with episode one and we're working our way all the way through, all of the um, ancillary material that I have consumed in between those viewings absolutely color that next viewing of the saga. Um, what comes to mind immediately is that that panel 
from that Darth Vader comic. I think it was from 2015 where uh, Boba Fett reveals uh, that the guy who blew up the Death Star was named Skywalker. And you have that moment of realization with Vader. and It's a beautiful panel. And he has that moment of realization like that's my kid. Palpatine lied to me all these years and he just cracks the panel of the Death Star's viewing port like that moment painted Empire and Jedi in a whole different color to me. And, you know, even seeing uh, Clone Wars season season seven, it it enriches your viewing of Revenge of the Sith. Um, Seeing the, the four seasons of Rebels might enrich your viewing of Rogue One and then A New Hope. And, you know, that I, it's, it's hard to get away from that, especially if you voraciously consume all of that ancillary material. Um, ultimately, I think it is to the good. It, 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 it kind of immerses you deeper into this, this lore and this world that is, I mean, thankfully ever growing. Well, great, uh, great feedback there. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, I think Kev nailed it there. And, um, I think the prequels enhance both movies, but I think I'll give the edge to Return of the Jedi on this. Like the throne room scene in Return of the Jedi, I can't watch that scene now without thinking about what's going through Vader's head the entire time. All of his screwed up choices that he made uh, throughout the prequels, uh, his screw ups with Padme, and then, you know, that, that the ultimate screw up where he made the choice to. Uh, you know, help Palpatine kill Mace Windu instead of siding with the Jedi. And now he's in the same, you know, they put the parallels so well. George did a great job with the parallels in those scenes. Uh, you know, Absolutely. even though, of course, Revenge of the Sith came uh, so many years later, he built those parallels in there. And then, like, you can't see his eyes, but you can kind of see behind the mask and you can see what he's thinking. Like, he he's running. That's why he's looking back and forth the entire time he's like he's like i screwed this one up i screwed this one up i screwed this one up and then finally he realizes you know i can finally make the right choice on this one and yeah some some people don't like where he screams no but i i like that he's like finally basically the evil part of him just snaps you know mm-hmm. where you know where and you know in, in a good way where he's able to find that redemption and then do what it takes to finally take out palpatine Amen. Sure. Couldn't agree more. Brad, number two, what do you think? Well, um, I'm, I pretty much agree with Kevin on a lot of things with, you know, all the ancillary stuff that you can get a hold of. And I mean, I've, I've always been a sucker for like legends before Disney even bought Star Wars and everything. Um, I mean, I wanted to know, I, I've always, again, I've, I've, wa- I've never watched these individually. I've always watched them, you know, four, five, six. Um, and my wife's a purist, so she won't let me watch it. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's always four, five, six, one, two, three, and then, you know, seven, eight, nine. Um, but I've always, you know, I watched these for the longest time. Uh, and then the prequels came out and I started to wonder, you know, where did the, where did the where did the Republic start? Where did where did everything start? Like what I wanted to know all these in-betweens and comic books, um, video games, just regular books, uh, the small little side movies that they put out. I, I just um, I would just immediately diverge myself into everything, wanting to know, you know, all the background story of everything in this universe. Um, I, I, it, was, it was a little it was a little obsessive there for a while. <laughs> Sure. Did Charlie become one with the Force while he was away? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> He's transcended the physical plane. Yes. <laughs> Justice, what are your thoughts on uh, on that? Do you watch these films uh, with new eyes, uh, depending on what you've uh, consumed? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I think that Star Wars has done a great job of like answering some of these questions that aren't necessarily explained in the movies and having these books, comics, video games, what, whatever it be, um, really just like fleshes out these points that um, we have questions for and like you get, you get answers. And I think it just like, it makes the Star Wars universe so much more better. Um, so yeah. Couldn't agree more. Excellent. Couldn't agree yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys took a lot of those points, so I didn't want to rehash <laughs> a lot of it. But I couldn't agree <laughs> more with like what most of you guys are saying. <laughs> not, uh, not a problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I the beauty should, of it, man. Yeah. I think we should talk that, a couple of specifics though. Uh, the lightsaber duels. Uh, preference on that: Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that's going to be a hard one. That is going to be a hard one. You know, I think each lightsaber duel in, in each movie means so much. Uh, it means different things to so many people and so many characters in the film. Um, that's you know, your there's political the, way of saying Return of the Jedi. I, I know you, you, you. Whenever you get fancy like that, that's when you know I'm right, and you just get all fancy with it. Right? No, Which I mean, really you know, that... that that original, you know, the original scene in, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, the, I mean, even the visuals, um, you tend to, you know, think about Luke climbing the stairs uh, and Vader waiting for him at the top of the stairs in Empire Strikes Back. The color palette, it's just a beautiful shot. They did such a fantastic scene with that. And then the lightsaber, you know, Vader ignites it just, you know, effortlessly. And Luke joins him, and that when that battle starts, I mean, it's father and son. It's emotional. How can you not get choked up about that? I mean, who's going to win? What's going to happen? And um, it's—I I don't want to use the word because it gets tossed around a lot, but it is epic. Uh, it's iconic, and um, I—you know—the battle in Return of the Jedi too between Luke and Vader, and kind of Palpatine, kind of guiding trying to guide them both or try, trying to, uh, you know, manipulate that battle. And that is iconic as well for, uh, you know, different reasons. So that definitely is a hard one because I love them both. Well, you want to talk about iconic, if you want to put the graphic back up on the, on the verses, the, the little picture you use for uh, Return of the Jedi, it doesn't get any more iconic than that. Right. But, that that shot between Luke and Vader right there, yeah, that that's the definition. But that's borrowed from the Empire Strikes Back, so yeah, okay, <laughs> fair enough, fair point. <laughs> Got you there, Brad. Thoughts but yeah, what do you what do you, what do you guys think? I know this as, is as, oh, you can go. As, as far as lightsaber duels, Empire didn't really have much of one. It, you had Luke raising his lightsaber to deflect a massive onslaught from Vader that not only included a, a few lightsaber chops, but these large pieces of metal that <laughs> Vader was flinging at him. There wasn't much of a lightsaber battle there. Luke had really no experience with it. And then 
Return of the Jedi, you have this this great moment where they battle, and then Luke throws the lightsaber away, and then you have well, if you're not going to turn, then your sister's going to turn. You know, I'll get her, and then you have that big momentous music swell and then they just start going after each other with the lightsabers until Luke finally overpowers him. I mean, it's, it, it, it talk about Epic that it, to me, that was just absolutely amazing. I'll give you that one. Justice. You had something to say. Yeah. I think like when it comes to choreograph, like choreography and like the actual fight, I would say um, return of the Jedi, but I really like the color blue and I like how it looks against like the red lightsaber. So that's why I'm, I like the empire, just like that iconic look of like when they're, when their blades are crossed, like I just really like the blue lightsaber. So that's why like, I know that sounds super weird, but like that, I just love that, like the blue and red, even like when in the prequels, when, you know, uh, Anakin's fighting Count Dooku, like just the when like you could see the color shining on each other's faces. I, I just, ah, I love it. Definitely. I'm going to put up a comment here from our friend Amanda. Um, it really is difficult to pick which one. Um, but uh, I, I think, I, you know, there's a lot of emotion in both fights. Uh, Amanda the, picks uh, the fighting in Return of the Jedi uh, with more emotion. But uh, like I said, I think both battles have a, a, a different... I, I guess importance in, in why they're fighting. Um, Agreed, and it's, it's you, kind of it's it's kind of a continuation of of that fight from The Empire Strikes Back in Return of the Jedi, and uh, it it gets heightened um, once you realize what's at stake here. Agreed. One of my favorite lines in all the saga is from Empire Strikes Back when he walks in there, and Vader's just standing there, like you said. And he's like, the force is with you, young Skywalker. But then he adds, but you are not a Jedi yet. And he just like you he just stomps on his soul when he says yeah. that. And I think that's the moment where Luke realizes, ah oh, crap. You know, uh, maybe I should have stayed on Dagobah for a little while longer and trained like they told me to. I mean, he just right. absolutely right. smashed his soul when when he said that. But on the other hand, um, you know, and Charlie, you know, alluded to this as well. Uh, I think my favorite shot in all of the saga is when Luke is hiding in the shadows and half of his face is in the light and the other half is in the shadows. So you can literally see him fighting within himself, uh, which side is going to, you know, take over the light or the dark. And, um, you know, it, like uh, Charlie said, it's all good until he threatened uh, Leia going to the dark side. And, and that was it. You know, he's very protective of his family. Um, you know, which runs in the family. Um, but I think that shot with him in the light and the dark, I think that just epitomizes, uh, you know, Star Wars in the, the light and the dark. Absolutely. And so it, it plays... That, go ahead, Justice. Uh, I was going to say, don't you also get that scene when, like, Vader... Or when Luke goes into the, um, you know, goes into the tree and fights Vader and, like, the helmet rolls off and it's in his face? Like, mm -hmm. you get that darkness, like, dark side of that, like, in Empire as well. Right. I right. see what you're saying. I, I, I honestly, I feel it more with with Return of the Jedi in that like that was a pretty cool scene. That was a pretty trippy scene. And, you know, in the in the cave, um, you know, revealing himself. But what resonates more to me personally is the shot from Return of the Jedi. Mm. And it's so subtle. 
It's so yeah. subtle, and I think that's the subtlety makes it so powerful. Um, because before, obviously, I've seen the movie hundreds of times, but uh, when somebody pointed out the darkness on one side and the light on the other, my mind was like blowing. I'm like, oh my god, that's right. He's fighting internally, and then when he, uh, you know, says, "Well, I'll just go find Leia," and then he just kind of goes crazy. Um, yeah, that 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 is really great. I think um, I think these two specific lightsaber battles from Empire and Jedi, they function using the same thing, and that's tension, right? In Empire, there's a, there's a palpable tension in the sense that you know right off the bat that Vader is playing with Luke. Like, Luke is giving everything he's got just to hang with this guy who is playing with him. And that carries through the entire experience so as the viewer you see luke is getting more and more battered after every successive cut back to the to the lightsaber fight he is just more more battered more beat up and that's that tension right but jedi operates with a similar tension except it's an emotional tension because now you have the weight of luke is fighting his father luke ostensibly has to make the decision do i kill this do i kill my father or do i try to redeem him you know, and then you you get the you get the emotional payoff in a, in a different way than you get an empire. An empire, as the viewer, when Vader reveals that he's his father, you as the viewer, you're like you're shattered. You're like, no way. You can, I mean, you couldn't possibly believe this. So there's that kind of emotional payoff. But by Jedi, at the end of that lightsaber fight, when when Luke realizes he is walking down the same path as his father, he chops his father's hand off. His father's prone, laying there, helpless, and he realizes I'm walking that same path. You get that emotional payoff of Luke realizing the path of the Jedi is not necessarily the warrior. You know, throw away the lightsaber. It's not the path of violence. And then you get the redemption of Anakin. So in terms of tension, they're very similar. But in terms of emotional payoff, I'm going to kind of squeak it out towards Jedi. Well said. Yeah, perfect. Even even with the, the big reveal, I mean, yeah, you know, you know, I'm personally with you. Uh, but for yeah. devil's advocate, devil being road in this case. Uh, even with the uh, "I am your father" reveal, I mean, as far as you know, oh, I'll, I'll, goes. oh, I'll freely admit that reveal being one of the greatest uh, left turns in cinema. Um, that's that's unequal, um, and it and it it like I said, it does it does pull an emotional weight on the audience. And I won't say it's on par with the redemption of Vader in, in Jedi. But I think for me, the more satisfying emotional payoff is Vader choosing, choosing to abandon the dark side and choosing, um, choosing the light, essentially. I mean, I, I couldn't think of a more clever way to frame it in that moment. Yeah, when, when right. you have uh, Vader... You know, it's Luke throws it down and he turns to the Emperor and says, No, you're wrong. You know, I'm a Jedi just like my father. And when Palpatine says, So be it, Jedi, and starts going after him with those bolts, and you see that now we can't see Vader's face, but you, you, I can almost feel it. And he just the glances between his master and his son and all the, the turmoil and everything that is got to be going through his head at that time, you know, w which one's he going to pick? And then, you know, to get 
finally to have that moment where he picks him up and tosses him over the side. I there yes, the the I'm your father reveal was was huge, but that that turn and that choice had so much weight behind it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's absolutely astounding. Absolutely. Especially when you think about like at the time, at the time of, of return of the Jedi, Vader was one of the most like, I mean, he still is. He's one of the most iconic villains, like prior to Jedi in that, in that third act, if you saw Darth Vader, that he was synonymous with bad guy. And, you know, to, to turn that on its head was, I mean, it was a masterstroke of genius, actually. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, that was brilliance because it, it, in, it, it would entirely subvert the audience's expectations at that point, right? I mean, if you go into these movies thinking that this guy's a villain, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's, he's Luke's father, but he's still bad. I mean, how many, how many people, I mean, I can't speak for anybody because I wasn't alive at the time, but I mean, how many people went into the first viewing of Return of the Jedi thinking that Vader was going to be redeemed? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I was going to ask that right. question uh, again as devil's advocate. I think that's one been actually one of the bigger criticisms of Return of the Jedi was its predictability. Really? Uh, did yeah? Did you know for Charlie and Roe, You know, us older guys. Did you guys find it predictable? Did you see that outcome? Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest criticisms. Like we knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Of course, of course, he's his father. Now, this is all, I don't know, this is all in retrospect, maybe. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, make it sound like at that time, 1983, that uh, pretty much it was utterly predictable on how it was going to start and how it was going to finish. I don't know if you guys uh, thought that way, if, if you personally thought it was predictable and whether you thought the general public thought it was predictable. And I think it, it also comes to play that, you know, it was the third one in a trilogy um, where, you know, at the time, nobody knew that there was going to be any more movies at all. So it had to conclude in some way. And the redemption arc, um, you know, not, it, it's not new to Star Wars, obviously. It wasn't new to film at the time, but... Yeah, the, there there had to have been a a payoff, and I think redemption was kind of the logical conclusion to that, especially uh, for films like this, and especially for us for for this trilogy where you know that was it. We weren't going to see anymore. You know, after Return of the Jedi, that no more Star Wars. That that the George had no plans, and that was it. So um, it had to. I think it had to end the way it ended, and um, you know expectations subverted or not but uh there you go well thank goodness yeah, it didn't uh, and i agree i uh e even as a, a a young kid i i knew that it was going to end uh good seems to always win so i knew there was going to be something to happen where they would uh, where the good side would win but luke wasn't the only person on the good side so was he going to have to sacrifice himself in order to, I mean, I had no idea how it was going to play out. Uh, and, that, and I think that's what really got me, sucked me into that turmoil was he knew that is, you know, oh, I, there's good in him. I feel it. But was that going to be enough or is it going to be something else that because of his sacrifice will give the other characters 
more to go on where they'll finally triumph. Sure. Yeah, yeah. it could it have it could have conceivably gone that way. Justice, I, I can feel you thinking. <laughs> oh no, the the whole time I was just thinking like maybe uh, these guys on the Return of the Jedi side will uh, sway my opinion, and I love being able to uh, just uh, enjoy listening to other people talk about Star Wars. Has it worked yet? Has it worked yet? <laughs> I will say that you guys have made me want to go and watch Return of the Jedi after this podcast. <laughs> yes, awesome. do it, do it. Um, you know what? I think uh, let, let's talk about moments in these films. There are a lot of uh, small moments that mean a lot. And um, I'll, I'll give Return of the Jedi this because this is the first thing that I thought of. When Luke turns himself in to Vader and they have that discussion on the gantry, that that is like one of the most amazing conversations in um, in this trilogy because there's a lot of revelation there and there's a lot of things there's a lot of material there too that will um i guess for a young mind you know you're trying to figure out like what is vader talking about is uh or no what is luke talking about is vader redeemable and at that point you start to wonder is uh is vader coming back from from being this evil um you know this this bad guy i think um i think moments like that in return of the jedi are are great and uh, what do you guys think what are your favorite moments of the two films let's uh let's let brad have the first shot of this one so Get it, boy <laughs> so for uh empire strikes back i would have to say it's the, it's it'd have to be the time where in the early beginning on Hoth when Han has decided that you know instead of leaving and paying off Jabba the Hutt, he's instead decided to go and save Luke from this ice storm after he got trapped out there. He decides to rescue Leia from the Empire. Um, you know, a pretty a pretty a character that you really didn't expect to see any selflessness from in the first movie. And he only had that one moment at the end. And then you start up this next movie and he's almost on that same path of selflessness or selfishness. And then for him to just turn right back around and make that same choice of, you know, help the rebellion, help Leia, help Luke. Um, that's honestly my favorite part, just because it shows I'm, I'm always an underdog guy. Um, but Return of the Jedi, my favorite part, honestly, would be the conversation on the gantry. Um, that is, again, one of the greatest conversations in the trilogy as a whole, honestly. I mean, maybe even more than that. I, I agree. And you know, the thing about that scene is Luke has, the way I always thought, Luke has the audacity in that scene. He's trying to use the Force to influence Vader. You know, he's, he's you can see he's literally trying to Jedi mind trick Vader. Like, he's, he's, he's speaking truth there. But he's you. You can see he's using the force to try to influence. He's like, that's why you didn't turn me in before. That's why you're not going to turn me in now. Uh, but I always looked at that as he he's nudging him with the force, and uh, that that takes some uh, testicular fortitude to try yeah, to stones on that, that kid. With yeah, to pull that off to the Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, obviously, it doesn't work. It, it gets you know rejected uh, summarily by Vader, but. Uh, I'll be damned if he's not trying, though. 
I think he was playing chicken because you can tell when he turns around and they're both facing the camera and Vader looks down at the lightsaber and turns it on, you can see Luke um, just soil himself because he doesn't know yeah. what's going to happen. So I think I think he was, you know, he, maybe he was playing a little chicken because uh, obviously um, Vader was, uh, you know, demonstrated his powers. So, um, but... Yeah, he he did have the testicular fortitude to at least you know go in and say, you know let's let's give this a try. Agreed. Well, but I mean, um, in Empire, I mean, Vader already knew the stones on Luke when you know this boy who is not a Jedi yet would walk up the stairs and ignite a lightsaber to you know try and take him on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is his kid. Yeah. <laughs> true yeah well that that's my kid that that tracks you know this is this is the same guy that like ran at count dooku like i'm gonna i got this guy i got him no worries you guys hang back i got this you know of course luke would be doing the same thing and it never turns out well for uh either one of them no 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 they always bite off more than they can chew them skywalkers yeah they're slow learners yeah, at least the Just, men are. Yeah, What's that? true. Justice, what do you think? What are some of the moments uh, that come to mind on either film? You guys are like giving like really like deep and emotional like answers and like super like like good answers, and I'm like pretty tired here, and I'm just like, oh, I like these like really like. I like skulls and I like bad guys. So like from Empire, my favorite scene is definitely when he goes in the cave and like cuts off Vader's head, and then I really love it when. Vader gets, is getting electrocuted and he's able to overcome that and throw off Palpatine and like you get to see the like the bolts going through his suit and like you see his skull like I, I that always like stuck in my mind like I I love that I even have a Funko Pop of it like I oh know. yeah it's that's yeah, a good so one that's that that scene from Return of the Jedi that's valid you act like, yeah you act like there's something wrong with those answers you guys are talking about like all the emotions honestly I'm like. I just like the cool skull things. <laughs> hey man, we're all, we're all here for the whiz bang, man. Yeah, there's no ra- there's no wrong answers. Exactly, exactly. So uh, let's see what uh, what other elements of both films do you guys feel strongly about? You guys want to talk about uh, music and themes? What about the about emotional? The, I was gonna say, how about actress performance? Which one do you think uh, Mark Hamill did? better in empire or return of the jedi that jedi. is a tough one that's I mean, a tough one he doesn't have a face really in return of the or uh, return, uh empire strikes back so i would go with return of the jedi <laughs> it, that's a tough one that's a tough one because um i think in I, i'm gonna have to go back to my original answer i think that empire i'm gonna have to give it to i'm gonna have to give it to empire um, as much as I love Jedi, I'm gonna have to give it to Empire because, uh, again, I think Irvin Kershner was really, really adept at pulling the right takes out of these actors, and I think that Mark Hamill played um, not only the brash rebellion leader but also the struggling student. Um, you know, Luke. At, at, at by the time Luke gets to Dagobah to train under Yoda, you know he's probably a little more confident than he should be. He's obviously naturally talented. He's picked up things here and there, but 
you know, Yoda puts him in his place. You're going to have to unlearn what you've learned. And I think Mark Hamill played that progression um, beautifully. Not to say that his performance in Return of the Jedi wasn't great either. He has this air of air of confidence um, to him that is just, it's spellbinding. But um, th- with Empire, I'm going to give it this. He, and this, a lot of it has been made of this, and it's a valid point. He spent the majority of that movie playing against a puppet like that that cannot be understated and that film does not work if those scenes are not executed perfectly um so as much as i love jedi i'm gonna have to give hamill's performance in empire yeah that's a good point i I, i'm still gonna go with jedi uh just uh, in empire he still is uh, is young. He just is is really too gung ho, and uh, you know, oh, I'm going to do what I want anyway. I'm, I'm going to, you know, they need me. I want to go off and do it, and just shows that uh, naive side of him. And uh, in Return of the Jedi, you just see that complete transformation where he has all that confidence. He tells Han, "Don't worry, I got this. You know, uh, I got this under control." Uh, the uh, his ability to, um, you know, to talk to Vader the way that he does to confront the, you know, the Emperor uh, with uh, with such brashness and, you know, uh, where he, you know, is just throwing his words back at him. And, uh, you know, but you also get that tenderness when he's talking with Leia. Uh, you get the confusion when he's talking with Ben. Uh, after Yoda passes and you know, it's uh, you get a full whole dimensional scope in return of the Jedi. And it's just not quite there in empire. It's good, but it's just not quite there. Fair point. Yeah. I don't know what Mark Hamill. I mean, I guess I do. I mean, the proof is in the movie. Uh, I mean, Kev, you make some valid points, but I feel like Mark Hamill learned something in those three years between Empire and Return of the Jedi, and that's the art of the subtle, the subtle look. If you watch Return of the Jedi closely, look at look at Luke's face the entire time. He's making these subtle looks the entire time. Um, whether he's talking to to Leia, uh, to Han, to Vader, or to the Emperor, like there at the end, you know, uh, he's got these just very subtle looks, um, and he just sells it. Like you can see his maturation, like. As you know, both as a character as Luke and Mark Hamill as an actor, um, and he just you know uh, that that scene, the throne room scene where he says, you know, soon I'll be dead. He just gives a little look over to the to the side panel, you know, referencing that the ships are about to show up. Um, and he, I don't think he gives all those subtle looks in Empire, um, but that really sells him as a character. And what I really like about Return of the Jedi is you can tell that he's teetering on the dark side from the very beginning, from the moment he walks in the Jabba's palace and he force chokes the Gamorrean guards and then he outright threatens Jabba. Um, you know, Luke does a good job of walking that line or, you know, Mark really does a good job of walking that line of he, he could step over at any point. And uh, I, I think he really learned a lot, you know, in, in those three years between recording Empire and uh, Return of the Jedi. Do you, guys th- 
Yeah, do you guys think that's uh, a, uh, a director's um, direction? Do you guys think that's... Um, that's Mark. That is, deliberate? That, is, that is 100% Mark understanding his character, I think. I, yeah, I think, um, what would that be, six years into playing that character? Right. I think anytime an, act, anytime an actor hangs with a character that long, they, they start to embody things that are, you know, Brad said it perfectly, the subtleties. Um, you know, and you see that anytime you have an, an actor that sticks with a franchise for any amount of time. So I, th- I, I do think the vast majority of that is Mark Hamill and him just understanding how to play that character and how to, under- how to play that evolution. Um, I-, I would give some credit to the directors because the director is the guy behind the camera and he's the one seeing how does this interact and how does this, how does this play with that? You know, I- I'll still edge it out towards Mark, but the director's got to get just a skosh of, uh, of, of props there. And um, it is an amazing thing to see the progression of Mark Hamill's acting skills because I think as as much as I am not a uh, a fan of the Last Jedi, I think his performance in that film was amazing. It uh, there was so much emotion there, there was so much there that uh, mm. that was that was really great, and to see him. To be able to see him go through those changes from the beginning is is just an amazing thing, you know. For us as fans, for us as moviegoers, I think I think it's really cool. Absolutely, I think that you know you bring up the Last Jedi, and you're right on. Um, Mark Hamill's uh, his his job in that movie is made all the more impressive by the fact that like he didn't agree with the material. He had a fundamental right. disagreement with the yes. material. But like a professional, not only did he execute it properly, he did it in a way that you believed him. He brought truth to the performance. So, I mean, even if you're not a fan of the movie, even if you disagree with that movie, you've got to give Mark Hamill props because he brought a level of truth to Luke Skywalker that, I mean, whether you like it or not, it, you, have to, you have to admire that. Like the way he executed that performance is flawless. Absolutely. Carrie Fisher, however, I think I think Carrie Fisher, I think you have to give it to Empire, as far as her performance goes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. No argument there. No argument. I wasn't doing as much cocaine at that time, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or just the right amount. Or just the right amount. Just you try right to amount. fit into that bikini and see how much cocaine you're doing. All right, she. <laughs> she fit into that <laughs> But, you know, getting back to actors' performances, I think one of the things that I love about The Empire Strikes Back is everybody's performance in that film, to me, is solid, solid, solid. From, you know, getting getting uh, Billy D. Williams in there and getting, uh, you know, bringing our cast back, um, they worked very well together. And um, even though, you know, their stories sometimes were, were separate... Um, but I, I think everybody brings uh, such a seriousness. And Brad, you and I have talked about this on, on the Scare of Scuttlebutt, um, you know, as far as uh, the original trilogy, when they take the material seriously, when they, um, you know, make you believe as a viewer that these things are actually happening to these characters um, and and it's a serious thing, there are... 
consequences there are it's it's you know they take it serious i have personally i have a and you guys will laugh but i have a problem when there's comedy in sci-fi or too much comedy in sci-fi i think the empire strikes back is to me it's like a perfect mix of wait this is this is like some real shit stuff is happening here you know uh characters aren't being tickled by trees on rocks so that 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 is to me, that I, I had a big problem with that, but um, it's it's it was the perfect mix. All the actors brought their A game to that to that film, and you know, again, kudos to the actors, but kudos to Irving Kirshner for being able to kind of tease that out. And I'm glad. Um, I'm wondering what kind of film The Empire Strikes Back would have been if George took the reins on directing, um, especially with uh, the caliber of performances that came about uh for the emperor strikes back what do you guys think of that i uh, i there definitely was a huge turnaround uh i guess in attitude and approach to acting uh in empire uh especially compared to uh, the original star wars a new hope uh the the crew once empire hit believed in the movie the cast believed in a movie. Not now. It's not just a, you know, just a, you know, a movie that's you know it's sci-fi based and kind of fantasy based and nobody talks like this. And what what is this that they're doing? Everyone is fully invested. Everyone fully believes in it, and it really took on that seriousness of it. And the tone was completely different, even than the serious parts of A New Hope. There's just such a, an added layer uh, that was brought in Empire, and I, I would have to give the the overall acting to Empire rather than uh, Return of the Jedi. I think Return of the Jedi just was more of a uh, you know I think the story was a little bit uh, more complete, but as far as the acting, they could finally get back into uh, having a little bit more fun with the story and their characters than they did in empire uh, and a whole lot more uh, invested than they did in a new hope. Brad, what do you think? Well, for something, I mean, for something like acting chops, I mean, I can't really take anything away from either of these because both of these movies gave us some of the greatest moments we can think of. Um, we already talked about the, gantry scene in return of the jedi we got uh the there's the scene on empire when luke is leaving De uh dagobah and he's talking to yoda and ben about leaving his friends to die um in empire there's also the moments when lando finally comes to talk to uh han after betraying him i mean you even whether it was George or not, I mean, you, you got some great, great moments emotionally uh, in both of these movies. Um, I honestly can't take anything away from either one. You know, yeah, good observations. Co yeah, collectively, I have to give it to Empire on this one. You can tell for Empire, they're definitely all in on that one. Uh, as you know, Charlie was saying, they were completely invested in that movie. By the time you got to Return of the Jedi, uh, yes, Carrie definitely had her own personal, a lot of personal issues at that time. Uh, so that kind of took away from her ability to uh, perform as an actor. Harrison Ford wanted Han Solo to die at the end of Empire Strikes Back because he was already working on, you know, he'd already been working on Indiana Jones. 
uh, as well as, you know, his, his notoriety had just skyrocketed um, from all that. So, you know, you can tell that he wasn't as much as, you know, into the character of Han Solo as he was in uh, four and five. Uh, so collectively, yeah, I would definitely give that to Empire. Yeah, I think actually the comedy that Roe brought up with Empire, the way that I think the balance that it does strike, I'm going to give it to Harrison Ford because it's it's Harrison Ford's delivery of certain lines yes. as Han Solo that, right. that sells that kind of that natural feeling of it. Right. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like insert yuck, yuck here. You know, it was it was a very natural um, way of delivering the lines that really only Harrison Ford could do when he's invested in a character. You see him anytime he plays indie. That's the way he plays it because he's entirely invested in what he's doing. So I think that that goes to Harrison Ford. Yeah, you know, even even the dark side was used as comedy in Empire Strikes Back in a very subtle way. You know, when um, Vader chokes out Ozzel, you know, he's basically <laughs> he's, he's Skyping with Piet the entire time uh, while Ozzel's getting choked out. And uh, the looks on Piet's face while Ozzel, he's trying to focus on Vader while he's looking at Oswald getting choked at the same time. That's hilarious. And of course he just yeah. falls and they, you know, they carry him away at the end. Uh, that yeah. Was, I, I don't know. I don't know who, if that's Irvin or George uh, uh, or a collective, I, I don't know how they came up with that, but I, I always think that scene's hilarious. Yeah. It was a rough time to be an Imperial officer, man. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Never be too hasty with your status reports. All right. Give, give it another <laughs> half hour before you give your status report to Vader. I can go. Yeah. Well. I don't think I'd want to be posted on a Star Destroyer. Give me a nice outpost out of the middle of nowhere where I'm not going to get force choked for, you know, misspelling something in my report. Definitely sunny Beach. Sun, yep. Sunny, sunny, yeah, sunny beaches of Scarif. There you go. There you go. I do love me a beach, man. So. You know, it's funny you brought up you brought up would Empire have been different with George at the helm as opposed to Urban Kirshner. And I think I think George, if he would have done Empire, because if you look at the pacing of A New Hope, it's just boom, 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 boom. It's just one thing after another. And George is famous on set for saying, do it again, but faster. Right. I don't know if George would have directed Empire. I don't know if it would have been paced correctly for some of those iconic moments to hit as hard as they did. Right. I think Empire functions the way it does because it's allowed to breathe. And I think sure. that's some of the, t I think that's when Star Wars actually, for me, it, it functions the best when it's allowed to slow down and breathe a little bit and kind of explore the moments that it's going on as opposed to, Next scene, next scene, next scene, next scene. Um, ultimately, I think it was the best decision for George to step away as director and give that to Irvin Kirshner because it, it, it was probably some of the director's decision to let these scenes breathe a little more, let these things get flushed out a little more, let it slow down and let the weight hit as opposed to here's the flash and flash and flash. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, we're talking about scenes that are filler or filler scenes and things like that, but... 
The scenes in Empire Strikes Back that allow the rest of the film to breathe are nowhere near filler scenes. These are scenes that are important. I mean, scenes that slow down the action. You know, Vader talking to Luke in, in Return of the Jedi. Um, the the when Luke, when Leia and Han are on Cloud City right before they, you know, um, meet Vader in the um, uh, at, at dinner time, whatever. But uh, these scenes are. These scenes are great because you're right. They, they allow the rest of the film to breathe and, and to catch your breath. And not only that, visually, you know, when you're, when you're on Cloud City, when you're watching these scenes, you also want to kind of like look around and, and look at, mm. the, at the, product, the production design. It's, uh, it's a film that is, is, how many locations do we have? We've got Hoth, we've got Cloud City, we've got, you know, obviously the, the uh, locations in, um, on the Star Destroyer. We've got Dagobah. So it's, it's a, you know, we're going to a lot of places. And I, for one, love just sitting back and just kind of like watching uh, the environment and watching the, I guess, the, the, the artwork that these people, you know, behind the scenes got to, to create for us. So I, I, I love, you know, scenes that are slowed down. I think you can kind of tell um, George Lucas's pacing issue, especially in, in episode one, um, especially towards the end. Uh, you know, you got so many things going on. You got the battle outside with the Gungans. You've got uh, Obi-Wan chasing you know, Darth Maul and all those things cut back and forth. I remember I think there was an interview back then where, uh, Lucas was uh, quoted as saying, you know, I, I might have screwed up with the pacing at the end there. Um, so you're right. I'm, I'm glad that uh, he kind of stepped back and gave Kirshner the, the go ahead and um, good stuff right there. Uh, yep. Okay. So two, two, two things here, Ro. Uh, number one, how come you get a hashtag next to your name? <laughs> I don't have a hashtag next to my name. And because uh, I know you can make that happen. And number two, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you, and you're gonna hate me for it. How is that? And this is a serious question. How is that different than the Last Jedi? With with all the scenes, uh, the the Canto bite scenes and and stuff like that. How are the scenes in Empire, in the middle, really middle two thirds of Empire, different than the middle two thirds of the Last Jedi? Ooh, I got stuff for that. I just yep. kicked him off. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens? Do you see what happens, Larry? I just kick you off, Brad. I don't care. Well, you heard the question. The question's been answered. Justice, How, did you add something to that? I, I don't know if this answers your question. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, bro. But um, I think the difference is that um, when... Kirshner is doing the directing. It's still George, like kind of like with his over his shat, like over his back, like making sure like his story is being told. Whereas like those moments in TLJ are all Ryan's, and it's not JJ being like, "Hey, this is like what my vision was." So like that's the difference, and I think that's why one worked and one didn't. I don't know if that's answering your question or not, but that's where that's where like I thought when you asked that. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I also. I mean, I think it's all in perception as well. You know, I think it's that if you're not speaking towards The Last Jedi, if you're not invested in Finn or Rose as characters, obviously, like, those moments are going to be like, meh, you know, whatever. Um, you're, you're, I mean, and like, I know for me, when I watched The Last Jedi in the theaters, 
I liked what I saw, but I was much more into what's going on with Ray and Luke, right? Like that was my, give me more of that. That's what I'm interested in. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I just, I do think it, it ultimately does boil down to like your, what you're invested in as a viewer, you know, one person's filler is going to be like, oh, well, you know, those asteroid scenes, that's my favorite. I love that stuff. You know, ultimately it's, a, I think it's a perception thing. Hey, it's very, it's very subjective. You know, one's man treasures another man's garbage. That's where we get that, you know, saying from. And um, I don't know, you know, you know, we do. Obviously, we've talked a lot about people have talked a lot on Twitter about uh, the Canto Bite scenes and what they bring to the table. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it says me, team team Empire Strikes Back on my icon there for a reason. So. I mean, for me, the you know, if I have to, if I have to defend the Canto bite scenes, I, I will, I will, I'll die on that hill. Um, I, Al- I, alone. Yes, I'll be yeah, the lone, <laughs> the lone guy that's going to die on this hill. I, I like the 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 complexity they add to the state of the galaxy. You know, there's the there's the that that commentary on avarice and and um, excess. You know, while there's so many people in the galaxy that have so little and that's an interesting commentary for me as a viewer. I kind of appreciate that. I do like what the character DJ added in the sense that he's ambiguous. He doesn't, he doesn't have any allegiance. And he, he points out to Finn that I'm not the only ambiguous one in this galaxy, the galaxy, there's people playing both sides here. Um, you know, you hint at like the military industrial complex through that, through that, uh, through that scene. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it adds something. Is it absolutely essential to, what you take away from that movie? Probably not. Probably not. I I would honestly say, like, for Canto Bite, it's up until that point, you know, you always have these characters that you're either, okay, the universe is white, the universe is black. Canto Bite almost points out and brings to light the fact that it's not. There is massive gray areas in everything with this, with these, with this universe. Yeah. Fair dinkum, Brad that was already going on in the Clone Wars and other TV shows and whatnot. They just made it like bit on the big picture. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make sense for, for people who don't watch like the, the Clone Wars or rebels or something. It's, it's something for them to kind of get a grasp of the universe with. Right. I think uh, we, we just talked about this as far as rogue one goes. I think rogue one does that. Uh, much better uh, in a more subtle way to show that things are not exactly as we might think. Like the, the, there is a dark side, if you will, to the rebellion uh, being, you know, down for assassination. If the opportunity presents itself, I think it may have been a little bit too overt with Canto Bite myself, but Kev, I think you nailed it though. Uh, and I was hoping nobody would go there, but you did directly. Uh, and that's with character investment. Um, and, you know, I just, did not have the character investment with Finn and Rose, but you absolutely have that character investment with Leia, um, you know, and with Han and even, even with the droids and everything. So I think that's the difference between those scenes in the asteroids and in Canto Bite. Right. And I think that like, it speaks to what I think is, is a common thread with the Disney era of star Wars films is that they are, um, they are working towards like, trusting the audience that they're going to be able to grasp more complex uh, themes and more complex things. It doesn't have to be 
so black and white. We can insert a little gray area there. The audience is sharp enough to pick up on it. Um, Rogue One, I mean, you nailed it. it. It does that brilliantly from start to finish. It it really does trust the audience that like you guys can handle some more stuff. So I mean, I think you're you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Can I just so, talk uh, about? Can I bring up one thing? The um, yeah. going back to the the George and him directing Empire. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but like, Kirshner was uh, George's um, teacher in film school. Um, so and he he knew that like I was I was listening to an interview recently about it and how like he knew that he could not direct this because like to make it that good because sequels weren't a big thing. So that's why he mm-hmm. went to Kirshner because his whole thing was all about pulling out emotion, which is some of the, some of the biggest scenes from Empire. I did not know that. I did not know yeah. that. Sci-fi, you know, that, that's, that wasn't even his genre. That's not what he was known for. He was more of right. a uh, romantic comedy, I think, was his, was his niche. Yeah. Um, but it was bringing out those emotions. Uh, how, how George knew that was going to work with this, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I, yeah it, it totally did. And he, I mean, I like, think it, well, it's crazy that he, like, left the, like, Directors Guild and all that stuff. And, like, I think you guys were talking about the whole um, why the actors invested so much. It's because I think they also felt the pressure of, like, they didn't have anyone, like, on their side. It was George, like, funding this whole thing. So, like, they, they like, really put it on their back to make sure that, like, this movie was a big hit and a big success. And I think that was also that also played a factor into it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if Coach is all in, the team's going to be all in. That's a good point. Absolutely. I mean, George Lucas has proven time and time and again that he's got the right instincts. You know, um, sometimes you can have arguments as like, does he does he stick the landing always? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Depends on what your perception is. But his instincts are second to none. Like he he knew this was going to be successful before anyone else did. He's I mean, the dude's instincts are untouchable in that regard. Yeah, one of the um, one of the things that I I love about uh, George's way of doing stuff, and I think you know he gets a lot of flack for this. Uh, you know, playing in this digital um, play lot that he created. Uh, you know, with uh, the technology of creating these films, each one kind of pushed the filmmaking envelope a little further. Um, now we've got, you know, the technology from the Mandalorian that, um, that we are enjoying. Uh, but it's something that, uh, you know, George was talking about in the mid nineties, um, regarding, you know, being able to produce these, you know, star Wars level, you know, projects on, on the small screen. And now we have it. So, you know, like I said, I think he gets a lot of flack for the way he, creates these films and i know you know like or not like his directorial style i think you know for all the faults that he has for his directing style i give him a pass because you know he's this world builder he's this universe builder that gave us so much not only um you know, up there on the silver screen with the characters in the worlds that he created, but behind the scenes as well, for us to be able to enjoy other films and other genres with the technology that Star Wars built. And I think, I think for me, that is uh, a legacy that uh, he'll forever be known for. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I see 
I put George Lucas up on the level of like a Tolkien kind of person. Yeah. Um, you know, Tolkien gets a lot of criticism for the way he writes. Like he will describe in detail a leaf, right? And it will be like 58 pages of look at this tree and how awesome this tree is in great detail. Um, so you can have those criticisms, but like much like Tolkien, George gave us this world and it's incredibly rich. And it's not only rich, it's he set it up in such a way that it can be consistently added to all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to agree. Whatever your criticisms of him may be, I mean, much like Tolkien, he changed things. He set he set fictional narratives on a different path. He's trailblazed technology. I mean, you name it. Um, I mean, this guy is, he will never be lost to history, right? Like, I mean, whatever your opinions are, good, bad, or indifferent, this guy's, he's here to stay. Absolutely. Well, I even think that if he had, like, because if you watch that Mando, like, behind the scenes documentary, and they show him the, you know, the, what's the big room that they go into? Um, the volume. Uh, the volume. The volume like, yeah. he, he would have, he would have love to play with that and he would have made some amazing star wars content if he had that when he was making the the, the prequels yeah the prequels, absolutely the prequels would have been untouchable had he had the volume had he had he had that technology the prequels would have been up like i think there have been a hundred times better than what they were yeah. if just for the look that it would have had yeah i mean Absolutely. I mean, think about think about the potential of the volume, not only in Star Wars television, but in film. I mean, like how how much is this going to streamline the film, the production process to the point where, you know, they can keep pumping out stuff. I mean, like I know they still have like a what is it, a two year schedule with the movies every two years. But I mean, in terms of Star Wars series and content, like because of this technological advancement that was born, let's call it what it is, was born out of George Lucas's use of green screen on the prequels, you know, because of that we are now never going to be want for content on a certain time schedule, right? Like we're going to, we're going to get it pretty consistently because of that. And it, it, if you didn't have George Lucas blazing that trail, I mean, it wouldn't be here. Absolutely. Hoo-ah! So I think it comes down to, you can, you can pop in a DVD right now. We'll say we're all using DVDs again or whichever your uh, method of watching is uh, you can pop in a DVD right now. Is it going to be Empire Strikes Back or is it going to be Return of the Jedi? Uh, which one is it going to be and why? How about uh, Brad? You want to start us off? Um, it's it's still got to be Empire Strikes Back, um, just because it's what you guys just talked about with the visual effects and everything. Um, Hoth battle is probably one of the greatest examples of that CGI that that thing that has born that was born of you know this massive thing that's giving us more and more content um i think that was done masterfully even like even any shortcomings on that battle i would i mean you really can't think of any honestly justice is episode 3 an acceptable answer <laughs> uh, your uh, your choices are 5 or 6 um uh no i'd probably <laughs> I, i'm still siding with empire but i think if i was going to watch a movie it'd be return of the jedi just because i think i haven't seen that one in a long time and the way you guys are talking about it uh is firing me up to watch it awesome excellent um okay so I'll go, i'm gonna go with jedi i'm gonna stick i'm gonna stay on the path here i'm gonna go with jedi for two reasons um and, and it's impossible for me to divorce it from my feelings as a child watching it 
And it's for two reasons. The scene where Luke catches his saber and sparks it up for the first time on Jabba's barge. I mean, that's elation persona. Like that's elation in celluloid right there. Um, and then the battle of Endor, the dog fighting, um, growing up, my father would incessantly watch Top Gun all the time. So I was always inundated with dog fights. So seeing Endor on that scale, um, it's, it's just, it's eye candy, right? It's just constant, uh, stimulation. And I, I, I would, for those two reasons, Jedi. Well, you guys know how I fall. And also uh, I can speak for Charlie. Charlie was team Jedi and he remains that way. Uh, obviously for me, it's Jedi simply for the fact that I, I truly believe it has everything. It has everything that you could want from, from this genre of movie from, from start to finish. Uh, it's got the characters, it's got the visual effects, it's got the music, uh, it, it's got everything. And it's, it's, it's just one fun scene, uh, from, from one to the next, from the, the very first scene. Uh, where, you know, the, the TIE fighters coming out of the Star Destroyer to the Death Star, uh, to, you know, ending on the Death Star, uh, start to finish. It's just such a fun movie, uh, jam-packed, loaded with everything. And I can't, I can't be mad by the time I get done with this movie. So, you know, it's, it, it's too much fun. So that's why I like Jedi in a row. I'll, I guess I'll let you have the last statement there. Well, you know, um, talking tonight with you guys, uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I don't go to bed till like three in the morning, usually just doing stuff, whatever. So I'll probably pop in the entire original trilogy and go through that. But, uh, you know, Empire um, holds a special uh, place in my heart. And I was um, I was around. I watched Star Wars when I was seven years old in the theater, uh, obviously. You know that also holds a special place in my heart. But Empire, um, as um, as as a young person, as someone who is, was starting to you know get in touch with with uh, with emotion and feeling, I think Empire does a lot there for me personally. Uh, performance, music, uh, moments. Um, there is, and obviously because of the fact that Darth Vader is my number one favorite character in the uh, saga, um, this is where he really, you know, kicks some ass and I love seeing that. So for that, and I might read other, uh, another list of reasons, um, Empire continues to be, uh, for me, um, one of the best Star Wars films out there. Uh, second to only probably, I think I've got, uh, number two on my roster is Rogue One. Um, but, um, yeah, Empire Strikes Back is, uh, top notch, but, uh, I, I think I would enjoy watching Empire and Jedi back to back because of, uh, our discussion as well. So, uh, thank you guys for, uh, joining us, Brad, um, any final thoughts here? Yeah. Just a side note, uh, that, uh, there's been a lot of talk of what order, to watch the movies in and the official order just so everybody's paying attention this is if you want to watch all the movies i can tell you which ones you can uh, subtract if you don't want to watch them but if you want to watch every single star wars movie the correct order in which to watch them is solo rogue one four five one two three six seven eight nine so that's did you, write solo. That, did you guys write that down Solo, Rogue One, four, five, one, two, three, six, seven, eight, nine. So you you start with there's there's you know the you start with the height number one solo looks great, 
So, and this is, especially if you have somebody that's not, you know, not familiar with the Star Wars universe, right? So Solo looks great. It's visually stunning. It's a fun movie. There are no Jedi, right? There's only the Empire. So you get that, and then you get the, you know, that goes right into Rogue One a few years later, which obviously goes into four and five, right? You see, as Rose said, you see Darth Vader simply as this badass, right? And then that goes to the cliffhanger at the end of episode five, you know, with, hey, is this guy his father? And then you go back and you watch one, two, and three as a, as a flashback to what, to what happened. And then you go back and you watch six to tie it all together. And, uh, and then, of course, the sequel trilogy just happens 30 years after that. So you just watch that after six. Uh, watch it in that order, especially for someone who has not seen the saga. And uh, I think that's the most entertainment value you can get out of, it, out of the whole saga. That's a good that list. order intrigues me. That yeah. order intrigues me. I'm I've heard of that out. call. It's called the machete order or something like that. Yeah, there's been names. I don't know. I came up with it first, so I don't know. They've come up with other names for it, but it was it was mine. Claimed. Nice. But yeah. Claimed. Yeah. But, Excellent. Uh, Ro, so let's. These were the conversations we were talking about, Ro. You know, uh, you know, we all have our preferences. We all have our opinions about Star Wars. Um, you know, we would have had the same conversation back in, you know, 1985 about Empire Strikes Back versus Return of the Jedi. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, these are all just our opinions and uh, we, we respect those. And at the end of the day, we're going to we're all going to go and watch all the Star Wars movies anyway. So that's very true. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad we had this conversation. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Me Excellent. Too. Yeah. Let's go around the uh, table here and uh, uh, let's find out where people can find you. Kev, you go first. Uh, you guys can find us, the Force Losers podcast on uh, what? Where, Brad, Brad, oh, you, Brad, Brad knows the technical <laughs> stuff. I'm just like, I'm just the Twitter guy. Like I, you can find me on Twitter at Force underscore losers. Uh, if you're talking to the Force Losers on Twitter, you're talking to me. Um, this guy over here will tell you where you can find the actual podcast. Uh, the actual podcast is going to be on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, we're coming on to Google uh, now soon. I'm working on getting us on everywhere else, basically. So for now, that's it, though. And our YouTube uh, channel. You- yes, and YouTube. Justice. Uh, you, you can find us um, on Twitter at, at Podwars Podcast. Uh, and then you can also go to Anchor and search Podwars, and there you can find us on nine different sites, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever uh, floats your boat when you're streaming podcasts. Excellent. And don't you Brad, don't you no, don't you ask me. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to email you a, or, or, or ship you a little, uh, a little cheat sheet, a little card there for, for. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. everywhere. But uh, Brad and I are the uh, Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, and I want to thank you guys for joining us. And uh, Charlie had to leave early, but thank you, Charlie, for joining us as well. We had uh, fun on this discussion. If anybody in the chat wants to leave us a voicemail, we have a Scare of Scuttlebutt hotline. Operators are standing by on the Red 5 Network uh, Media Center. Give us a call, 773-234-8659. Leave us a voicemail. We want to know what's on your mind, and we'll probably play it on our next show, which is coming soon, isn't it, Brad? Always. Always. And, uh, again, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you in the chat. 
We love to interact with you guys. Find us everywhere as well. We are like a bad penny. We are always turning up. But uh, Scarif Podcast on Twitter and all the socials, ask your smart speaker to play the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. And uh, make sure you emphasize the word but because it's funny. But uh, thank you, guys. Uh, Brad, you had something else to say? No, I just like the word but. Okay, excellent. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. May the force (laughs) be with you. And that's the scuttlebutt. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network.